Hello, and welcome to the NVIDIA AI Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Kravitz. Look, this podcast is great, but if you really want to get brain deep in AI, the GPU Technology Conference is the place to do it. At GTC, you can choose from over 600 sessions on dozens of hot topics. You can get hands-on training, and you can connect directly with experts from Google, Stanford, Amazon, Apple, MIT, Pixar, and hundreds more of the kinds of places whose experts you want to connect with. It all starts March 17th in Silicon Valley, and right now you can save 20% on registration. Just go to gputechconf.com and use the code GMPODCAST when you register. That's gputechconf.com, and the code is GMPODCAST. We'll see you there. In May of 2018, the state of New Jersey scored a victory in the Supreme Court that paved the way for legalized sports betting in the U.S. on a state-by-state basis. As of right now, March 2019, sports betting is legal in eight states, but ESPN counts another 30, plus the District of Columbia, as moving towards legalization. That said, scores of people regularly play what are known as predictive gaming games, from fantasy football to office pools based on picking the winners of things like the annual March Madness College Basketball Tournament that's right around the corner as we record this. Today's guest co-founded a company, Swish Analytics, that leverages AI and data to help bettors and predictive gamers find an edge when they're picking winners. But Swish actually does most of their business in the B2B space, which we'll talk about in a minute. Corey Beaumont is co-founder and head of engineering at Swish Analytics, and he's joining the podcast from his company's headquarters in San Francisco. Corey, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So obviously, I want to hear the audience wants to hear about Swish, how you got started, And the work you've been doing for a few years now, using machine learning and AI to crunch big data and help make predictions on uh, not just the scores of games, but all the things that bettors bet on. But you and I, we talked offline. We're both big Hoops fans. It's March right now. We're in the Bay Area. Sorry, Warriors haters out there, but it is what it is. Uh, And you guys were just part of a pretty big announcement involving another local team, uh, the Sacramento Kings of the NBA. So maybe let's lead with that. Good time for basketball. It is a good time for basketball, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't last night for the Warriors as we record this, but but they're tired. They'll be fine. So another story. Yeah. Maybe you can give us kind of the elevator pitch, the 30-second description of, of what Swish does, and we'll come back to that. But then tell us about what the Kings are doing, why it's important to the future of legalized sports betting in California and the NBA, and, and what your role is in that. And then from there, we can kind of get into more of what Swish does. Sure. So Swish Analytics is a predictive sports company uh, where we use machine learning algorithms to try to decide how a player is going to perform or a team is going to perform and um, kind of to what end and in what time period are they going to do that over the course of a, of a game, of a quarter, over the season, and, and so on. We take these predictions and turn them into several different things for a lot of different companies uh, around the sports arena, for marketing agencies, teams, and externally to to the U.S., a lot of sports books and and other more sports betting type of companies like that. That's pretty much what we do in a nutshell. We took kind of an interesting path where myself and my two co-founders, Joe and Bobby, we were working in fintech and we're using machine learning to kind of predict if a random guy in ohio was going to be a fraudster or not Hmm. um all based off of public data and and all that good stuff and kind of what they 
give us, um, which may or may not be reliable. And no, I know you picked it out of the air, but to be clear, no shots at Ohio. I lived in Ohio as a kid. So, so we're all good there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no coastal elitism. Let's avoid that. Yeah. Nothing against Ohio. Yeah. But yeah, so we would take that data and, and try to predict what that, you know, what that user was going to do and how that user was going to turn out. Right. Um, we kind of figured, all right, well, if we can do this for some random guy, we could probably figure out what Kevin Durant's going to do tonight right. on the basketball court right. or, you know, what Tom Brady is going to do in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So we kind of took our learnings from that and lo and behold, we were actually pretty good at it. <laughs> so um, we decided to kind of take our first step into um, the sports analytics arena, and we put up a, a website. Originally, it was called Bet Buckets. <laughs> it was it was just a kind of very lightweight um, predictive analytics site that if you wanted to kind of get an edge on some fantasy stuff or what have you, you can go on there and get some information and and, and use it pretty easily that name of bet buckets quickly became an issue as we tried to advertise and, and get our name out there and stuff like that. So we kind of did a little name swap and, and upgraded the website. And that's how we became Swish Analytics, actually. Cool. million things I want to ask you about from that. But you mentioned doing a lot of work outside of the U.S. Legalized betting is a little more prevalent uh, outside of the States. In the States, there's this kind of state-by-state move towards legalized sports betting, which, you know, stands to be an enormous industry and not just the betting, but lots of, of opportunities around the betting. The NBA, I mean, we're biased for both hoops fans, but the NBA has kind of long been known as forward thinking amongst the major sports leagues. And so people are talking a lot about the NBA being the league in the U.S. that could really kind of do the most out of the gate, possibly, with sports betting. So what's going on at the Kings Arena? They have this predictive gaming lounge, and you guys have a, an app called BetRush, I believe, that was just announced to be part of it. What's going on up there, and how are you involved? Yeah, yeah. So um, the NBA as a league, we do see them as very progressive and kind of the leadership that Adam Silver is providing them to touch in these different areas that are kind of more taboo for some of the other leagues. As it, as it relates to the Kings specifically, um, we ended up getting in contact with them and they're, they're looking for really how we can help them build what a 21st century or, or new age type of sports book might look like. I think when people think of the sports book, they think of kind of like a, a dark, uh, dark area in the back of a casino with a bunch of TVs and, yeah. and cigarette smoke, right? Yeah, at, at best. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you're if you're lucky. So what the, the Kings have really done, they're they're investing in kind of a an Apple Store type feel, um, very modern and contemporary feel of of the sports book and how it might work. And we are the technology backing that. And so we created a, a product called BetRush, um, which we will be doing a demo for uh, several games. And hopefully we get to expand that into the full season and into other teams to really change the idea of how sports betting and sports books are seen, right. if, if that makes sense. No, it does. It, it's legalization and, rec- and regulation is one thing, but then, you know, it's the whole experience and the image and and... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, let, let's shift gears a little bit and and talk about how you guys leverage machine learning and AI. And, um, you know, you, you spoke at the beginning about your background in fintech and and as you were speaking, it made perfect sense, right? If you can, if you can try to model what 
you know, an individual is going to do. That individual could be a potential fraudster, could be a, a sports superstar and how they're going to perform on the court. So um, without getting into your secret sauce, obviously, how does it work? What kind of factors do you look at? What kind of, uh, I don't want to say results, but, you know, what, what's the end sure. result in terms of what a what a user might see? And then also maybe you can talk a little bit about the B2B work you're doing, which is kind of, I think, more the core of your business model. Sure. So the interesting thing about sports is, and, and as it relates to, to machine learning, is you obviously you need data. But within sports, there's only so much data available and um, there's so much only so much diversification in that data. If you compare it to you know, website track, tracking or, or marketing or something like that, someone may be able to develop something that is you know a unique product that follows the, the mouse clicker on the screen and they get to use that data to model against. Mm-hmm. We don't have the ability to do that. We right. only have the data that is available from the leagues. And so we have to work pretty hard internally to kind of develop these data sets and, and look at these different features and, and what matters and what doesn't matter. But some of the things, uh, as we know, if, if you follow basketball closely, this this year and the previous years have really been changing mm-hmm. in, in terms of of number of points being scored and number of threes taken and the pace of the game. Yeah, everything's much much faster, more points scored. Uh, yeah, like you said, the past two years in particular. Yeah, I think the most three-pointers ever shot in basketball were the last three years and it continues to grow. Right. So it's really interesting from that point of view how the data is changing and we need our machine learning algorithms to also change with that. But we want to make sure that you're not over overfitting or or something like that, a model to um, a particular change or or something that we're seeing in, in this year versus just kind of the nature of basketball, if that makes sense. It does. Of the sports that you that you guys work with and look at, what's the easiest to predict? Who? Um, or what's the hardest? So something that is hard to predict, which we don't we don't do college sports yet, um, but we're we're definitely evaluating them. Mm-hmm. The data there is is interesting because you have guys who play one and done, so they come for their freshman year, they play, and then they go to the professionals. Right. So there's not much data there. Right. That is an issue. Every every sport's a little bit different. So like football. You don't have that many games, mm-hmm. and so you have a whole lot less data. You have, so data, you have a whole so, lot yeah. less data on a on that basis, and and also you, if you think about sports data, you really only accumulate data when you have the ball, right? Everyone else mm, off the okay. ball that is affecting the play, they don't really have too much data unless you're just doing like X Y coordinate tracking and stuff like that. Right, right. So you have to figure out how to quantify that into something useful. Baseball's great, <laughs> you know, it's it's a batter versus pitcher matchup, and you, you know exactly what's going to happen. The umpire is a little bit of a question mark at times, but <laughs> we saw that actually in spring training, I believe, uh, this year, the MLB is trying out some robotic umpires oh, no kidding. to okay. standardize some of the the strike, zone, the strike zone yeah. stuff that you see in baseball. So in, interesting things. Cool. And so tell us a little bit about your B2B work. I know you guys have an API and you make that available to clients. Right. Although we love our consumer side of the site and kind of interacting with the individuals who use our data to do things, we see the real advantage is allowing bigger companies to do a lot of different things with our, our data. So we've seen everything from companies using our data to, to price tickets. Obviously, companies in, in Europe and in Asia and all over the place are using our data for, for betting and uh, odds making and, and things of that sort. 
Um, we've seen opportunities like BetRush, for example, mm-hmm. where teams aren't necessarily using it for the management of the team, but for a product within within a facility. To go back a second, when you said um, to help price tickets, dig into that a little bit. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. So if you've ever purchased tickets on like StubHub, where uh-huh. the, the prices are going up and down, some stadiums from kind of a if you were to buy a ticket from a box office or, or online or something like that, based on the game, that right. same seat will cost more, right. obviously, obviously for like playoffs and things like that. But even from game to game. Yeah. The Warriors, I think they call that dynamic pricing, maybe. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so what they might do is use our data to figure out what games are going to be closer than the others. What games are predicted to kind of be a blowout. Right. If a game's going to be a blowout or it might be boring, should we should that the organization do a t-shirt giveaway or bobblehead day so mm, they can right. get the fans in the door right so we see things like that and and really the 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 data that they use initially to figure that out is swish very cool we're talking with Corey Beaumont he's the co-founder and head of engineering at swish analytics uh, in San Francisco and uh, swish is in the business of using AI using machine learning to help predict uh, not just the final score, but uh, all manner of things related to uh, sports, predictive gaming, sports betting. Corey, let's go back in time a little bit and talk about you and your background. You're the head of engineering at Swish now. You mentioned uh, you worked in fintech before. As a kid, were you into data, were you into sports, were you into money? Uh, how'd you get how'd you get started? <laughs> sure, sure. As a kid, I grew up in and was born in San Francisco, and then my parents ended up moving to Texas. And my my bond back to California, aside from my family, was really the sports teams. Sure. So I was watching every game, and and just you know, even when you'd be watching, you'd be watching a game, and it'd be cutting in from commercial, and they show you kind of the Bay Area, and I was like, oh, I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> so right. you know, and I played soccer my whole life, and so at the time I was playing sports, and I was also a pretty big gamer online. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing a lot of Counter Strike. And, you know, it's interesting to now be on the NVIDIA podcast when I was working, I was playing, playing games on a Sony Vio or something that had a small NVIDIA chip in it way back in the day. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But my, my dad, my, my parents are engineers and whatnot. And so I I picked up hacking in some Counter-Strike stuff and picked up some technical projects pretty early on. Right. You know, by the time I was exiting high school, I was pretty comfortable with, with writing some code and, and some programs and stuff. And so as I went to college, I figured I can study computer science and business because right. I figure if anything, if you major in business, you know how to manage money, right? Right. So, <laughs> which I didn't <laughs> one, know at the one time. One would hope anyway. <laughs> right. In theory. So I went to school to do that. And I actually had to drop my computer science major in order to get my, my master's in business okay. in one year, which allowed me to go to London for a year and study. Oh, cool. And okay. so this is where really the sports and the betting and the money came together for me because sports betting is legal in the UK. Uh-huh. And so... As an avid soccer player, I was able to really look at the game and and see, kind of compare what I thought was going to happen with what the sports books were doing or with what my my close group over there thought right. and quickly found out I was really bad at betting. <laughs> <laughs> so in being being really bad at it, right, I got more interested in trying to figure out why and, and how does it really work. Right. Well, right. as time went on, I had to come back to the States at which point and I 
finally made that move back to San Francisco and started working for uh, that fintech company where I met my two co-founders. And, you know, you get to talking and, and all of a sudden everyone is a sports better. And yeah, you're right. like, hey, well, we're also kind of technical too. Like maybe we can try to do something with this. And uh, the rest is a fairy tale. Yeah. What year was that? How long ago? About 2014, 2013, okay. I guess. So about um, four or five we, years ago. Yeah, yeah. When you guys started Swish, did you have the model in mind to, um, you know, start gathering data and then crunching it and making predictions off of it, analyzing it, and then licensing it out? Or did you imagine yourselves more of a um, consumer-facing thing? Uh, that is an interesting question that I was actually just talking to one of my partners about. To look back and to say that we got to hear we wouldn't have guessed this is the path that we would have, would have taken to get Swish to where it is right now. Right. And, you know, we were a part of the LA Dodgers accelerator. Oh, interesting. Which was okay. being a Giants fan was really, uh, <laughs> I had to really question what I was doing, but I'm not a big baseball guy, but I know what that means anyway. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it was one of the greatest opportunities that we were able to, to get through Swish and, and we met some really great people who are still with the company and have helped us. You had Tommy Lasorda teaching you recursive algorithms? <laughs> you know, funny enough, like my second day there, I think I met Magic Johnson. Oh, no people. kidding. Okay. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's just legendary across anything. Sure. So, yeah. so yeah, that, that's kind of how we got to where we are. Very cool. So then where you are now, spring, March, 2019, how big's the company? And, uh, you know, what are you, that, that you can talk about anyway, what are you getting into next besides the, the bet rush stuff with the Kings and obviously all the work you're already doing? What does the future look like for you guys? And then maybe, you know, for the industry of, uh, I mean, sports analytics is a big word, but I'll let you kind of take that to, you know, what your purview. What, what, do, what do you think the future holds going forward? Sure, sure. So for us specifically, we really see an advance in you know, a need, I guess, for in-play betting and in-play projections and predictions in general. And baseball is really looking into a lot of this stuff. So how do you keep that fan engaged, whether they're at home or in the stadium? And how do you kind of add on to the experience of being at the game or what have you while, you know, being at home is really comfortable, right? Right. So that's not just betting on, you know, who's going to win or covering the spread, but getting into how many points in a quarter or is is this guy going to strike out at his next at bat, that kind of stuff. Okay. Exactly. And that's got to be, I mean, that's a huge, endless opportunity, it would seem like. It is. It is. I mean, you can really, the ability to place a bet on Steph Curry three-pointers, but also Russell Westbrook turnovers or, you know, Chris <laughs> for, Paul. For example. <laughs> for example. <laughs> it is, it's a really powerful thing, um, especially in that quarter or on this next possession or in the sense of baseball, what's going to happen at this at bat, right? What's the likelihood that this is going to be, you know, a double or a triple or a foul tip or, or what have you, the optionality in, in what we call markets, like kind of the, the player, the game, the stat type and the outcome. And how do we do that in a live atmosphere as the game is going on, especially in a, in games like basketball or in hockey where you're, there are no stoppages really. Right, I mean, right. you know, it, it's not like football where there's a play or baseball where there's a pitch. Right. And then there's a little rest in between built in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. For, for us from a technical point of view to um, kind of leverage a lot of the stuff that NVIDIA is pioneering to 
make sure that we're speedy and efficient in that, that form or fashion. And are, are you talking about speedy and efficient in giving your guidance on predictions or about in empowering the actual predictive gaming system itself? I would say empowering in, in making sure that when this data comes in, how do we make sure that it's applied to the model and we get an output in seconds, if not fractions of a second, and right. then that gets shot out in a real-time state to someone's phone in the stadium, right? Right. That's kind of where we're headed, I think. Uh, aside from, you know, we're, we're always evaluating new sports and new opportunities from that point of view and new territories and things like that, new partnerships. We're really focusing on kind of the next evolution, which is the in-play aspect of sports betting and whatnot. Yeah. So as, as it relates to kind of the greater economy of sports analytics and, and what's going on kind of here in the U.S., but also globally, it's an interesting time to say the least where a lot of now this is, is at the state level. States are coming up with different things and different rules and different costs and, and different regulations where some places you can do this and some places you can't do that. So we as, as an organization are at the forefront of that, trying to make sure things get done properly and, you know, things make sense for the, the greater economy. But I, I think we're going to see a lot more variation in sports gaming. And that doesn't mean just like sports betting, right? But these offshoot fantasy games or like micro betting where you're betting cents and dollars instead of, you know, $100 or $10 you know, hedge fund type of sports book related things where a hedge fund may go out and start placing some bets on some games based on some good predictive analytics that they have. A lot of, and I kind of kind of said this a little bit earlier, but a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And that's where we, we like to place ourselves in, in the business to business aspect is if there's something that you need from a predictive sports analytics point of view, we got you. Like we can do it. And I think we've proven that. So I've been biting my tongue really wanting to say like, oh, it sounds like a smart bet you guys are placing on your sales. But, <laughs> but it does. I mean, it sounds like you're you're super well positioned at, at a an industry that, you know, is is seems like it's not just gonna, you know, take off straight line, but more explode into all these different directions or, or I'm sure already is. Um, but that's right, exciting right. stuff. So brass tax, before I let you go, is there sort of a a, a metric understood as what a, a good rate of success is in predicting? I mean, I'm sure it's different across different sports and different types of bets, but you know, say for picking who's gonna win the NBA title or or picking the the MVP or even picking a certain game is like fifty-one percent accuracy considered good? Is there a number? Um, so it really depends. If you're looking at it from a betting perspective, obviously you want to be above fifty percent, right? Right. But you also have to take into account the sports books cost or or right. VIG if you if you wanna call it that. And which is usually two, three percent, maybe four percent. Okay. So in order to be profitable, you really need to be above that 54% margin. Got it. Okay. All right. So going forward, and I don't know if you guys have official predictions on this stuff. If not, you know, feel free to give your own take, but um, let's stick to the NBA. Are the Warriors going to three-peat? Having watched a lot of basketball, you know, I, I think the Warriors definitely do have have a good shot at three-peating. That, that was an easy one. Here, here's a harder one. Is, is LeBron going to miss the playoffs for the first time in, in oh, how long it's been? You're really setting me up here. <laughs> <laughs> As many Warrior fans, we kind of despise the Lakers. And having LeBron 
stealing one away from the Warriors. Um, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan uh, as a basketball player, at least. I can relate. <laughs> I can relate. I have a lot of respect for him, but not necessarily a fan. Yeah. However, they do have Luke Walton, which coached the Warriors for some time. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be close, to be honest. Uh, I think that they can certainly make the playoffs. And if anyone is going to get them, get that team to the playoffs, it's going to be LeBron. Do I think that they will make the playoffs? I think that they will. Do I want them to? Not necessarily. But I think in the coming years, the Lakers are going to be a pretty good team. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to let you off the hook with the, uh, with the predictions. If folks want to learn more about what Swish is doing in all these different arenas, you guys have, have a website, you have a, a fun Twitter feed. Where should people go to learn more? Yeah, you can reach out to us at swishanalytics.com. Um, you can reach us on Twitter as well, at swishanalytics. If you have any questions or anything like that, you can always shoot us an email at info at swishanalytics.com and we're happy to help. Excellent. Corey Beaumont, thank you. It was fun talking to you. And I'm going to admit when you, when you brought up the hedge fund example, it made perfect sense, but my mind blew just a little bit and I just bit my tongue, cut my cool. <laughs> but it is a, it's a brave new world. It'll be really interesting to see how this stuff develops in the coming years. Definitely. It's, it's kind of the wild west, but it's, it's getting there. All right. Thanks for joining us. Take care. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. 